if you have your Bibles, scroll to Nehemiah chapter 8, right? Turn, turn them on and let's get to Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, we are in the middle of a series that we have called Hope After the Storm. Now, what exactly is that? We are looking at three books in particular, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. We've already completed the book of Ezra. Those are online. They're available uh, on our podcast. And then Nehemiah is 13 chapters. We're going to cover that in four weeks. This is week three of Nehemiah. And then we're going to jump into Esther. Now, what do those three books have in common? They actually come in sequence uh, with each other. Ezra and Nehemiah are actually one book in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, but Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are historical books. In other words, they, they cover the history of Israel. But they're also what we call post-exilic historical books. And what that means is that it focuses in on the time period after the exile. So after the Babylonian exile. So if we were to put this into a big timeline, uh, we would see the prophet uh, Jeremiah, who is before the exile take pla takes place, and he is warning them, and he is doing everything that he can to uh, encourage the Hebrew people, knowing that they are going to go into uh, captivity for a period of 70 years. So he knows that, and he says, look, we're going we're gonna to be in exile for 70 years, and he tells us the exact time period. And what Jeremiah does is he writes a letter to the Babylonian exiles to encourage them a little bit, to let them know that there is hope. Now, we have that letter. It's actually in his book, uh, the book of Jeremiah. If you, if you look at Jeremiah 29, the 29th chapter, that chapter is his letter to the Babylonian exiles. Now, who would that involve? Well, at the time of the writing of the letter, that would be people like Daniel. It would be people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace. So those were the people who would have initially received that letter from Jeremiah. Now, many of us have, maybe we've memorized Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The hope that Jeremiah is talking about here, the hope that he is describing is the same hope that we want to look for. It's the same hope that you and I need. It, and it's not a wishful thinking type of hope. I want to make sure that we're on the same page when it comes to the definition of these words like faith and hope and love and that we understand them uh, not just from a, from a cultural standpoint because our culture does, doesn't define any of those well. The scriptures define faith, hope, and love extremely well. And that's where we look to get our definitions. So what is this hope? If it's not just uh, wishful thinking, this hope is found in the Lord himself. And it's not just wishful thinking. In fact, it is actually um, confident anticipation. A confident anticipation. Now, where does the confidence come from? We get the idea of hope being future tense, so anticipation makes sense. But what about this confidence? Where does the confidence come from? Well, it's not in and of ourselves. 
it is the object of our hope, and that is Christ, that we put our hope in Christ, that we put our hope in the promises of his word. So what we discover is that the, these Hebrew people, this remnant that is heading back to Israel, that after the, the, the Babylonian exile, that they are discovering again that their hope is found in the Lord. Their hope is found in him. But how, do they, how can they know him? Well, by spending time in his word and learning his promises and learning who he is. So that same truth is, is for us, that same biblical principle that God has plans for you and that he has plans to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Why do I say that? Because the, the, the Lord is the author of hope. He is the God of hope. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if, do you desire hope? Do you desire that type of hope? The hope that God has to offer? If so, then let's look at how the remnant experienced that type of hope. Let's look at what they experienced. And at the end of, of Nehemiah chapter 6, we see that the temple has already been rebuilt. We see that the walls have been restored. And chapter 8, where we begin, tells us that it's the month of Tishri. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you right now. Uh, you hear Tishri and you go, okay, I, I don't know what that means. I don't understand the, the Jewish calendar. But hopefully as we look a little bit closer, um, I think that we will appreciate it a little bit more. It's unfortunate how much we miss in the Old Testament because we are unfamiliar with, uh, with the Hebrew uh, traditions and their calendars and, and things along that line. But it's the month of Tishri. And it's going to be a month filled with celebrations. So let's do this. Uh, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to pick up at verse 1 and go through verse 8. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. Now let me just pause there for a second because I found that interesting. Look at that again. They told Ezra. It wasn't Ezra. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't Ezra telling all the people, hey, I need you guys to come to Jerusalem and I'm going to be reading from the law of Moses. No, the people gathered together and they told the priest, hey, Make sure you bring that, that scroll. Make sure you bring the law of Moses with you. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Now again, that's letting us know that it's Tishri day one. It's kind of interesting but here here's what I want to point out before we move on to the next verse the assembly consisted of who it tells us that there were men present there were women present and then it says and all who could hear with understanding 
He is letting us know in this passage that this assembly is unlike others. This is unlike, this is unlike the typical, um, the men come from their houses out of obligation and observe one of the feasts. This is everybody. The men, the women, and all the children. Uh, even, even those that are children that are old enough that could hear and understand. And it's the first day of Tishri. Then, verse 3, then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him, at his right hand, stood Mattithiah, Shema, Anaiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maaseiah, and at, le- and at his left hand, Pedaiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Mishulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Now, before, before we move on here, I want to, again, that's that phrase that just jumps out right there. All the people stood up. Now, there's a practice in some, some churches, and this makes sense, that what, when you read Scripture, there are some churches that say, let's stand out of what? Out of the honor and reverence for the, the reading of God's Word. The, the context here is not just one of of reverence, but one that is uh, actually excitement. Have you ever been to a ball game and you're just sitting there and you're watching the you're watching the play and then something happens on the court that you just instinctively you're standing up and you're watching, you know, you find yourself cheering and excited about what you're watching. That's the context here. They're not just standing up out of reverence. They're not just standing up out of uh, even even some 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 obligation, they were standing up to try to get a glimpse of what they're observing and to see Ezra reading from the book of the law of Moses. And all the people answered, "Amen, Amen," while lifting up their hands. Isn't that interesting? It caused them, it prompted them to worship. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Yeshua, Bani, Sharibiah, Yamin, Akub, Shabithai, Hodiyah, Maasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Hotzabad, Hanan, Pilaiah, 
and the Levites. Help the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctively from the book in the law of God. And they gave them the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Now let's just pause there. This first eight verses, let's pause there and look at key point number one for us this morning. If we desire hope, we must commit ourselves to understanding the Word of God. If we desire hope, the hope that God has to offer, the same hope that Jeremiah was writing about when he was telling the exiles in Babylon that God still has plans for them. Even in the midst of the storm that they were facing, even in the midst of 70 years of exile, in the midst of all that, Jeremiah was reminding them, said, listen, I want you to have hope. Because God has a hope for you. He is the source of that hope. And if we desire it, we must commit ourselves to understanding the Word of God. Now, this was a special day of celebration for the Hebrew people. I mentioned that it was Tishri 1, the first day of the seventh month. Now, it seems odd that the seventh month would be their New Year's. Uh, But that's what it is, right? Uh, In fact, today we call it Rosh Hashanah. Uh, that's, that's what they would call it. And it's the Jewish New Year. And then you would go, wait a second. But isn't that the seventh month? That seems like an odd time to, to celebrate New Year. Well, they actually have multiple New Years. And I think that the, probably the best way for us to understand in our culture and in our context is... Um, my wife and I celebrate a new year of marriage every May 16th. Every, every May, the fifth month of the year, we celebrate a new year together. So it's not the, the, the civic New Year calendar, but it, there is something significant. There is something here to be, to be celebrated the month of, of Tishri, the seventh month, is a, new, is a new year. And this first day, this first day of the month, is the Feast of Trumpets. Now, what is the significance of that? The Feast of Trumpets marked the time for that final agricultural harvest of the year. It's the last time that harvest is going to take place for that particular season. It is the sounding of the trumpets and they're going to say if there's any uh, harvest yet, then it's time to to finish it up. And then on the 10th day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. So we have have the celebration, day one uh, of the sounding of the trumpets, then day 10, the seventh month, Day of Atonement. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, is celebrated from the 15th through the 21st. Now, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? Sometimes it's called the Feast of Booths. It's a fall festival of sorts. It's a, it's a time to, to gather together and celebrate that the end of harvest has come. Uh, harvest is now finished. Uh, we are celebrating the fact that we have a great harvest. So here's the point. 
Tishri, the month of Tishri, that we see with Nehemiah and Ezra and all the gathering of the people, the entire assembly, men, women, and children, all ages, Tishri was the perfect time for the Hebrew people to express their gratitude to the Lord for his faithfulness in the renewal of their, and to renew their commitment to follow him with a fresh start. Now, it's not really a big of a stretch for us when we think of Tishri in the sense of the Hebrew people, they have, they have these celebrations back to back to back. It's the fall festival. It's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of expression to the Lord of what he's done and for the great harvest that they've experienced. And then it's a time of renewal. It's a time to say, okay, God, we are going to recommit ourselves to you. Don't we do the same thing? I mean, think about when we get to, when we get to November, what do we do? Same, same type of concept, right? Come November of each year on our calendar, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, what's the purpose of Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is to recognize that it is fall and that all things come from the Lord and that he has blessed us and it's a time for us to give thanks for all the things that the Lord has done. That's exactly what they're doing. That's what Tishri, the month of Tishri is all about. The sounding of the trumpets is to be thankful for the harvest that you have. The Feast of Tabernacles, be thankful for the harvest that you have. The Day of Atonement, be thankful that God has covered your sin. All of the month of Tishri is to be celebrated for all that God has done. We do the same thing with Thanksgiving. Now we also carry it on over to January, and by January we're doing what? We've already expressed our gratitude, now we're making our New Year's resolutions. Well, the Hebrew people did it all at the same time. They expressed their gratitude for the harvest, and then at the same time they're saying, Lord, we want to renew our commitment to you and have a fresh start. Well, let me share with you a couple of things that I will commit to doing as the pastor of Grace Point Church. And it's similar to what Ezra was doing here, similar to what we see in Nehemiah. The first thing that I will commit to is this. I will commit to making sure that the Bible is, our, is central to our worship. I will do my absolute best to offer the meat of God's word each week. The second thing that I want to commit to is I will commit to making sure that the Bible is read distinctively. What we see in this passage, if you look back at verse 8, so they read distinctively, distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. I want to read distinctly. I want to read in such a way that I can give sense to the understanding of God's Word. Well, what can you do? Well, one is notice that men, women, and children who were old enough to understand all came to listen and worship the Lord. And I would encourage you to do the same, to come and to, to listen, to, to, to listen to God's Word and and to listen to the expounding of God's word and to worship the one true living God. 
And then the second thing is, you know the names that I read a minute ago that I probably butchered all the pronunciations of? Those people supported Ezra in the teaching of his word. When we were reading through that passage and looking at it and all those, all those people were listed, it said these were to his right and then these people stood to his left. Their whole purpose was to help people in the assembly, in this, in this congregation, to help them understand God's word. Well, I think the same is true for us, that we need people who will stand to, to our left and right to help teach the Word of God. So we need small group leaders. We need those who will invest in helping others understand God's Word.